to the Root Education Podcast. I'm your host, Meredith, and today I want to talk about how the podcast is changing. This podcast started as a startup, but now I want to share how it's going to expand and where we're looking to grow. The Root Education Podcast is for Christian teachers curious about special needs ministry, whether that's from a business or a biblical perspective. As an educator, you already have so many skills built into your repertoire that can be used in ministry. Each week, we will discuss teaching, entrepreneurship, theology, and modern issues in education. If you're a teacher who wants to start a business or get into ministry, this podcast is for you. I also wanted to give a huge shout out and thank you to those who have donated to Root Education. Because of your donation, we've been able to improve the audio of the uh, of the podcast so far. And I think the last podcast, episode number five, had the worst audio so far. And I really appreciate the opportunity to provide a better experience for the listener and for the users as well. Today, we are going to talk about curriculum development for special needs students with our very first ever interview. Danielle Stevens is an educational specialist with over 16 years of experience in the field. She has worked closely in behaviorism, traumatic brain injuries, mental health, drug addiction, and severe disabilities from child to adulthood. Today, we'll be learning how she got into the field of special education, why she finds it so valuable, and tips and tricks to use when working with your own special needs ministry. We're going to roll the clip to our interview starting now. Welcome, Danielle. We are so glad to have you here this week. Thank you, Meredith. I'm glad to be here, especially with you. Yes. Um, And I know we have personally worked together in both the co-teaching and administrative capacity for about three years now, which has been really fun. Yeah, it went by too fast. (laughs) I know, right? Right. Now we're still doing it it just in this way, at least. I know. So far. Um, So for the people who aren't familiar with your work, can you share with us about your background in special education and what made you enter the field? Sure. So yes, educational specialist, absolutely. That's one of the titles I can definitely say. Um, Started out in special ed, gosh, I would say all the way back in elementary school, we'll just take it back there a long time ago. I was always that person that would kind of like just protect the kiddos that had special needs. You know, Mm -hmm. we really didn't know diagnosis back then. Mm -hmm. Um, We would just say romper room per se, and I hate that term, Mm -hmm. but um, I would always want to volunteer in that class. If kids were picking on the kiddos that had special needs, I was always one to go defend them. I was the one to invite them to the parties. I would be the one to go play with them in the playgrounds. And um, I saw my mom basically do the same thing. It was always someone that was different. We just was always either drawn to them or, and I still see it now, that they're just drawn to me. They'll just come and start having conversations with me out of the blue. Mm-hmm. Um, so just starting from that young age, and as I got older, it just – I started out with children's church and working in the nursery and ministry and mm-hmm. um, and then kind of fell into the teaching per se. It's not mm-hmm. what I went to school for in the beginning. <laughs> it's fluid. Um, <laughs> it's all fluid, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, just, just starting at that age and where I'm at now is just something, no matter how much I try to get away from it, it just something just keeps bringing me back Mm -hmm. to just working with that population and I feel like that's true for a lot of people who do it It, I agree I agree Mm -hmm. you have you have to people you know always say oh you have to have a big heart for it no you really do like you Mm -hmm. have to have a true passion and commitment and understanding and just an open heart and mindset to work with that special population Mm -hmm. yeah oh absolutely 
is there anything you did prior to teaching? I know you already kind of talked about it already, and even whether it's professionally or personally, that influences your perspective on the field. Yeah, so um, we were foster parents, my husband and myself, and we had our, our kids at the time were young. We have a daughter um, and named Savannah, and our son's name is Armand. And I believe our daughter, Savannah, she was probably around six, mm-hmm. six or seven, and then Armand would be around three. And so we saw, started foster parenting in Charlotte. We wanted the boys that had the most severe needs. Um, and so we actually always had a house full of boys, either it was respite, so it was, it was <laughs> yeah. so much fun. Mm-hmm. Um, Anywhere from kiddos that would come like for respite just for the weekend for a couple of hours, it seemed like the boys were always uh, asked to come to our home, and so it was basically we always house. we were we were. had this huge bonus <laughs> room. We had this our large SUV. I would plan like I was a stay at home mom, and so we planned picnics. We planned like camping trips. We would like just do things in the house, just make mm-hmm. it fun, and so. Uh, one of um, the young guys that we got, we got him when he was 15, and he had a rough. He was in the gang life since he was nine, and now he's 26, and he just got released out of prison, and he's my child. He's my baby. Mm-hmm. Always has been. I mean, you know, 12 years later, he's still, you know, part of our life. And mm-hmm. I talked to him like two days ago, and I'm still mom, and he sent me my Mother's Day gift. And just from that moment that's one of the things that kind of shaped you know where I'm at now in my life I still look back at that it was a family affair um Mm -hmm. so my husband my my kids we've all grown up around people that were just different than us regardless if if it was developmental disabilities if it was mental health disabilities physical disabilities anything um Mm -hmm. because my husband in New York that's I mean he was around that as well Mm-hmm. And, and so it's good to have a partner and then your kids growing up around it and it just has shaped everything y'all have such good hearts we do i know that house had to be we so do fun. it was girl we <laughs> <know>. did <laughs> if we, mm-hmm. i go back to i know there's um, a dance party and a bubble machine. girl always let me tell you my uh-huh. son my my son now his nathaniel mm-hmm. and he tells me all the time anytime i um would talk to him ma so what uh, dog with special needs did you adopt now? <laughs> Ma. Where's the parent? What I mean, dog? <laughs> get, get somebody get the wheelchair out. We got to hug Buddy up to go to the bathroom. That didn't, that didn't even say. He was like, Ma, who you got now? Who, mm-hmm. who Did you go adopt somebody today? Mm-hmm. But like, what? He was like, I know you, you're doing something. You got the animals that have three legs and a wheelchair. <laughs> You the got, goldfish with you no got, kids. girl. He would come up with something. Mm-hmm. He was like, because you guys, he just calls us fun. Like mm-hmm. we introduced him. He didn't even know what a forest was. Like he, the woods. Like yes. What? He did not know. He did not know. Um, no. Okay. Living in Charlotte, mm-hmm. never was intro- Never was taking out of the oh, city okay. life. I see what you mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Didn't know what mountains were. Mm-hmm. Um, we took him camping. <laughs> And <laughs> I know how you love to camp. We're still going to get to go. I'm so ready to go. <laughs> well, we took him camping. He was like, uh, where, where are we at? I said, we're, we're in the, we're, we're in here. The, uh, he this said, we're it. up in the trees. I said, homie, we're, we're, this is the forest. <laughs> oh, this is what they call the forest. I'm like, oh my gosh. So was it like a campsite with like yeah, we had an RV and everything. Okay. You had like the bathroom, yeah, girl. Stuff. In but, the um, south, we say bless your heart. Yeah, that's bless what it was. Heart. Bless his heart. 
<laughs> but just exposing our the kiddos that we, you know, were so blessed to have in our lives to different things that they had, would have never experienced mm-hmm. um, if they were not with us. It was it was fun, fun, fun times. Definitely fun times. When we've worked together, you've worked with one kind of specific population. What student population do you specialize or work most with? <sighs> Right. You know, that's my heart, though. Uh-huh. It's it's my, my kiddos that are severe, like that moderate, like they have some intellectual disabilities. Can't They can do some daily living tasks on their own, like they can brush their teeth and take a shower on their own. Um, but they do need that help with, like, the shopping and the, you know, just everyday daily living things. They don't know mm-hmm. how to count money per se, so I got to help them count money. They don't necessarily know how to go and purchase the, the items that they need for their hygiene, so we go mm-hmm. and help them. That population to the severe population, the ones that are, they can be have some independence, but they have to have an adult with them at all times. Mm-hmm. That is my life, that's my world. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's because it's the most humbling experience in my eyes that you would truly have mm-hmm. when you walk into a room with individuals that rely on other people to basically help them do everything in their daily life and they're just happy and smiling and just go with the flow mm-hmm. regardless they got food on their face or have they have a wet diaper mm-hmm. they're happy and it feels like an honor. It I is. Exactly it truly mean. is. Because yeah. you're like, dang, like, I come in here and I have all the weight of the world on my shoulders and I'm ready to fall to pieces. Mm-hmm. But when I see them and they're smiling and happy and I'm being goofy and they think I'm, like, the funniest thing ever, it's like, girl, you can't be mad about are. that stuff. Because <laughs> that's, like, are, the best yeah. part. <laughs> it's like, you can't. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, I can't be mad right now. I cannot have mm-hmm. these, these feelings that I'm having that or negative because these kiddos just bring something to me when I'm in the room with them. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just a humbling, delightful experience. Same. Yeah. I feel humbled exactly like what you're saying. It feels like a like there's a weight of responsibility almost. Like I know you're talking about protecting earlier. Mm-hmm. I feel that too. Like yep. very protective yep. of like the most vulnerable. Yeah, we, we see it in our actions when we used to <laughs> teach together. I know, right? We kept those kids safe uh-huh. regardless. Mm-hmm. We would make sure in that school, everybody knew, don't mess with these kiddos here. Remember when there was a lockdown or like a pretend <laughs> lockdown where they, they thought there was going to be like an, a, there was an active situation happening and then it wasn't. Do you remember that with Janelle? <laughs> <laughs> Trying to get everybody up and go to the I bathroom can't. and then we're all loud. <laughs> and and I thought we were going to die. <laughs> giving away all of her secrets. Like all the kids are like yelling from the bathroom. <laughs> If you have never experienced a lockdown with kids that <laughs> <laughs> drill or real, either way, either way, you're not gonna make it out Mm-mm. because there you're gonna hear every noise possible. But um, it is an experience, and then us laughing in the background doesn't help any. So um. <laughs> you're like, let's play some ocean music. <laughs> nope, doesn't work. Doesn't work. It doesn't at all. Nope. Uh, nope. Mm-hmm. So not to like typify every student out there in the entire world, mm-hmm. but for people who they don't work with special needs, they've never spe- seen like a special needs kid before, what would you say like the student might look like? Might, um, if you speak to them, one, they might not speak to you, period. Um, have difficulty looking at you, like having a full-blown conversation. 
the conversation is gonna, we'll just take, for instance, we'll just say they're 22. Developmentally and intellectually, they probably have a mindset of a, maybe a two-year-old on some, and that's a good case. Mm -hmm. um, but sometimes their mindset is like of, of an infant. I had a student who loved, um, he knew maps, like every type of map possible. He knew how to get from one place to the next. So it might be something just a special topic that they like talk about. It is it's very difficult because there's so many differences. Mm -hmm. um, Are there any technology? Yeah, you know, we have some kiddos that um, if hopefully if they were introduced at a young age, they could have um, communication devices. So some of them might look like iPads, but they do have like special software on them that has been loaded by hopefully either, either a, a speech pathologist or a parent that has been trained and that they're able to use that to communicate like their wants and needs. I know my husband, he would call it that I'm, I'm their voice because I'll have, you know, when I'm asking questions, they can't necessarily respond and give me an answer. You got to know those kiddos. You got to have those relationships so you can kind of problem solve. It's like having an infant, and I hate to say it that way, but it is. When you have a baby that's crying, you have to try to figure out what does that baby need. Mm -hmm. And so with some of our students, it's the same way. We have to figure out what is it. Is he not feeling well? Because he can't tell me. Mm -hmm. He can't tell me if he is what. He, he, we have to know. And mm -hmm. so um, it's a, it could be a guessing game, but when you are able to establish those relationships and learn that student and work with those family, and you know, you know the student appreciates it, you, too. They you can do. see it in their eyes, too. You know when, like, even if you're saying, oh, so-and-so, you chose A, great job. Like, right. I know you were thinking that. And, you know, even though you don't know that exactly. they were thinking that, you know that they appreciate the contact yep. and the, the connection that's there, yep. which I think is really big, especially for uh, that severe population. You know what, though? When you, you said that, too, it makes you think, too. Communication device. It doesn't have to be a technology device. It can be pictures. Mm -hmm. Um it or can ASL. be, yeah, or it, yeah, oh my gosh, I would love to have ASL in all school. Certified. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you know, Savannah, she started and she was doing really well. She's a teacher class, help, teach, help the teacher teach a class. And then she stopped because when she transferred to high school, didn't have it. There's so many different ways to communicate. When you have those kiddos that um, you can tell which ones are comfortable with you mm -hmm. and which ones trust you, all of how they interact with you. field of special education, we've got the general curriculum and the adapted curriculum. Uh, for those who aren't aware, general curriculum is usually aligned with state standards. So these students are usually going to be in a general ed classroom, and then they'll have additional support. So they might have like a co-teacher in the classroom. They might be pulled out for reading or math support, or uh, they might have like modifications in the classroom to their assignments or how they learn. On the other hand, the adapted curriculum is for students who do not access the general curriculum and instead we're prioritizing life skills, work skills, and functional skills. This often means that they may have significantly limited reading, writing, or independence, so they might not read or write at all. They might have very limited independence when it comes to living skills like eating, toileting, and things like that. So these students are the ones who often opt out of state testing and can often be in self-contained classes up to 22 years of age. Age. 
So Danielle, I know you're really passionate about adaptive curriculum and have used it in so many creative ways. Why do you think curriculum is important for special needs students who are accessing adaptive curriculum? Oh yes. So there's one thing that is my biggest pet peeve of all when we deal with students with special needs and curriculum and when people say they cannot learn at all. Mm -hmm. Like you cannot tell me that just because they're in a wheelchair and nonverbal and depend on someone for all their daily living that they cannot learn anything. That's absolutely false. It's so important, just like everyone you think about. I have ADHD and I am a ADHD adult all the way. And some stuff that if you give me a piece of paper and it has all this material on it, I cannot, I can get to the first sentence and then you lose all my attention because it's not put in a format for me to actually read, interpret, understand it, and then put something out based on what I read. It's the same for students. Our students that have to have adapted curriculum, it has to be developed and designed in a way thinking of what their strengths are. Not always focusing on the weaknesses, because we always, weaknesses, we always able to put out weaknesses. I know for myself, it's, it's easy for me to say my weaknesses, but if you ask me my strengths, that's a more challenging thing for me to come up with. Why? Don't know why. Some people have a hard time talking about themselves. But when, as an educator, we are able to look at our student strengths. And we take those strengths if it's, um, like Meredith, you mentioned eye gaze. So eye gaze is basically you're looking at an object and you're basically able to shift your eyes from one location to another. And when we have a student, we'll be like, okay, we're going to assess them using eye gaze. And we have, like, we'll just say two images and they're able to use their eyes and actually land their eyes on one particular image, that signifies to us that's the one they're choosing. It's broken down, not all these pictures, it's two pictures. It might be just um, three pictures in a row, it could be in a circle, it could be in a square. You have to design it so it meets them where they are. They have to be able, you, you taking the, their strengths and creating something on a level which you know they can meet, and that's why you have to know the students that you're working with that's how you're able to create that a curriculum. And it's so important, adapting it, because they're able to learn. And it might take a longer period of time for them to do so, but if you create that material on their level, I'm telling you, you see the beginning, and then when you see that end result, and when it they can give you that answer like that, it's like the most amazing thing ever, because mm -hmm. you're like, dang, you really, you got it now. Mm -hmm. And then soon you can even adapt it even more and actually make it a little bit more challenging. Mm -hmm. So it's just taking something on the surface level. You can always add to it, add and take away. But that you knowing the level where your student can operate on mm -hmm. or even assess them, it will allow you to create that curriculum for your for that student. So That's awesome. Yeah. Is there any particular success stories that you have of like a, a certain student? Um, I do. Just a couple of things that I'm thinking. Have a student, a student with Down syndrome who, when I came into the classroom, high school student, he was in 10th grade, and they told me that this student cannot sit in his seat for more than um, two minutes at a time. And coming into the classroom, they weren't really taught really nothing they would put some music on that was inappropriate for the kiddos they would put on like abc stuff we're talking about high school kids regardless beard. yeah like yep. <laughs> you know what i'm saying like uh -huh. you're, you're 18 19 years old why are we still listening to the sesame street no no 
there's age appropriate age and development appropriate music for mm-hmm. those kiddos um and so coming in me listening to what previous staff have told me and me observing and taking taking data on my own of this student trying to figure out ways how i can get him to be seated i had to try different things i tried using um he had a device that had three buttons on it and we would put three different pictures on it like stand sit and i don't remember the other one but that didn't work very well the yeah. buttons in him was not working that ended up being thrown at people and we didn't want that and so i'm like all right well let me break it down maybe three is too many so i broke it down to one and the one symbol that i came up with was a stop sign he loved a rocking chair and so the rocking chair he was able to earn on breaks and so me having a stop sign on the rocking chair people are like oh we'll put the rocking chair away no i want him to learn when it's time to use the rocking chair and when it's not so we're not going to put it away and hide it from him we're going to bring it out and then teach him what a stop sign means thank you yep. that's exactly what mm-hmm. it is anytime you're going to introduce yep. some type of symbol um, that you want your students to become familiar with you got to teach it mm-hmm. so a stop sign is something that he's familiar with you might not know he's familiar with but i'm pretty sure he sat in cars driving around with his parents and can see what a mm-hmm. stop sign or you know his mom says stop and she does mm-hmm. and putting that symbol in that picture you could even be a gesture to mm-hmm. that's something simple when I put that stop sign, oh my gosh, he would be the slowest elopement ever. (laughs) But he would still try to elope slowly. He would get up, right? And I'd be looking like, where where are you going? Where are you going? Slow little walk, right? (laughs) Like a little turtle (laughs) making his way. He's trying to be all. And then you hear him going down. You hear him get up. It's nothing (laughs) quiet at all. But when you had that symbol, when I put that symbol on the chair or at the door, Mm -hmm. and I had it on there, and his timer was still on, I'd be like, hey. What we got? Got the stops. I would show it to him. Mm-hmm. He would, mm-hmm. but you know what? He didn't get up. Mm-hmm. It took a while for us to get to that point, and he learned it because I always, I constantly, it's repetitive, repetitive. Everything, oh, stop. So I would show him the symbol, and I would say the word. Sometimes I will just show him the symbol. Sometimes I might use a gesture, mm-hmm. but he knew what each one of them meant. Mm-hmm. We got to the point that I would have that stop sign on that rocking chair. If that timer went off, and he knows the timer because it was color-coded, Sometimes he'd even, if I didn't go move that stop sign off that chair, he would not get up to go to it. Mm-hmm. He learned it. And just yep. using that simple, simple picture, symbol, gesture, and then me saying the word stop. Mm-hmm. Gosh. Yep. It, it's just phenomenal just to see it. And then I literally, the it became instinct. I didn't have to use it anymore. He mm-hmm. knew. Hey, and he's still doing it now. It's still. Yeah. Honestly. To this day, and it carried on. As long as the people, the teacher that came in after me, I was able to teach them about it, mm-hmm. and they were able to continue on. And then mom jumped on board, mm-hmm. and she was starting doing things at home the same. So it's amazing to see how they can learn. It mm-hmm. just takes the time, the time to do it. you got to yes. have the time. And major, major repetition. And then you think about, you know, you teach him the stop sign and like, yeah, it's about sitting in class for a lesson and then taking a break and stuff. But think about the impact that that stop sign is going to have in going. I mean, you already said it, like going to his family, working with his mom. So when she says stops and and there's an emergency, he'll stop and Mm -hmm. then go into being out in the community and like doing stuff. He'll understand what a stop sign means or like an exit sign. um, Yeah. Things like that. It's pretty cool. I hope this conversation shared a little bit more with you about the value that working with special needs children can bring to people and how we can use all of our individual skills to, um, to help others and to lift others up. 
Danielle and her family have such a big heart, and I know that they both really deeply and truly care about supporting uh, people who are vulnerable and people who are unique and might fit outside of the norm. This episode has been broken down into two parts because Danielle was giving such great information that it's uh, going to be best served breaking it down into two different topics. The three takeaways that I took from this part one of the interview were the value in embracing, connecting, and integrating. So I I learned from Danielle in this portion of the interview that it's so valuable to embrace the unique qualities that people have in life. Danielle is such an example of how to invite others into your home and just embrace the wonderful and unique qualities of each child and what they bring to the table. It really reminds me of a verse in Matthew 6 about the lilies of the field. And it's talking about, uh, you know, why are you so anxious about your clothing and the things that uh, you put on your body or how you look? Uh, Consider the lilies of the field and how they grow. God puts so much detail into the lilies and how unique they are and how special they are and how beautiful they are. But the lilies aren't anxious. And uh, it says in verse 29, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these or was not as unique as one of these lilies but if god so clothes the grass of the field which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven will he not much more clothe you so you know lilies and in other verses it talks about birds it talks about how much detail and work was put into these things of nature but when god thinks of you even though you might have a disability or you might have had um, a tough start in the beginning of life and have really special unique challenges you were so much more valuable than those uh, little things in the world and that god truly truly loves you and the unique special qualities that you bring to the table so it says in verse 31 therefore do not be anxious saying what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear but know that god is always with you And one thing that uh, Danielle really emphasized in this portion was connecting and knowing your learners. There's such value in deepening a relationship with your learners because I think when you do that, you deepen the relationship that you have with yourself. And if you're a Christian, you deepen that relationship that you have also with God. Colossians has a, a verse listed about connection and it says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. In in connecting with others and especially connecting with such a vulnerable group that we've been talking about, uh, there's such value in exhibiting the compassion, the kindness, the humility, the gentleness, and the patience that you have inside and sharing that with others in your ministry and in your life in general. And as far as integration, uh, Danielle really showed that We can integrate skills into all areas of life so that the children that we're working with can thrive in uh, not just one environment, not just in the church, but in all areas of life and not just in the school. It's so important to recognize that the impact we have on children with disabilities carries with them throughout their entire life. And, you know, life doesn't stop after high school. Life doesn't stop when you turn 16. It it continues on for uh, for these children and eventually adults. So it goes on into adulthood. 
and it, the skills that you teach them now and the impact you have on them, especially at a younger age, it's going to carry them into their adulthood. It's going to impact their relationships with others or themselves. It's going to impact their understanding of how the world works. And integrating children with special needs into the church allows families to experience the full spectrum of having a church family and having a community of people behind you. So the Bible verse for this week is from Paul when he wrote in Corinthians, and it's that we are the body of Christ, and each one of us is a part of it. So Paul says this in Corinthians, and as a part of the body, we have responsibilities. We have an obligation to respect and encourage the other parts as we carry out the individual work God has called each of us to do. We can do this going back to Colossians by exhibiting our compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. You know, we all have unique gifts that can be used to lift others up. One of Danielle's gifts is in curriculum development. So in part two, next week's episode, we are going to share step-by-step technical advice on how to teach a special needs ministry group. So If you have a special needs ministry and you're about to teach a Sunday school lesson, or if you just have young children and you want to uh, try a a new method, Danielle is going to explain the tips and tricks that you can easily apply next Sunday at your next church meeting. So thanks for listening to the Root Education Podcast. Before we go, show some love for this podcast by leaving a review or downloading from Apple. Also, check out our Instagram at Root Education Podcast to follow for bonus content. Have a good one, y'all.